Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. <laughs> and I wanted to just give an explanation for episode 63, where Mike and I were talking about when I went to jail. And we got into a bit of a laughing fit there. The reason is that I did go to jail. I spent two days in jail, and the following day, I called Mike from what's called a, a holding tank, which is different than a jail cell. You're kind of stuck in a holding tank waiting for transportation to the actual courthouse. So that's a long explanation, but I called Mike. And you weren't sent to jail in the sense of you weren't convicted of a crime and sent to jail. No, no, no. I was you were held jail. for processing. Exactly. I wasn't in prison. I was just in jail for running a stop sign on my bicycle and not paying the ticket. Just to be clear, what a scofflaw I was. So I. At age 16, we should add, right? No, I was 18 at the time. I was tried as an adult. Damn it. If only I'd been picked up a couple of months earlier, I would have been a juvenile and I would have been put in juvie. I called Mike and I had to borrow a quarter from another inmate who was there in the holding cell who very nicely loaned me her quarter so that I could make a collect call. And I made that call and said, Mike, it's Ruth. And you said, Ruth, where are you? We were supposed to get together and see a movie last night. And I said, Mike, I'm in jail. And you said, can you hold on for a moment? Joan Rivers is on Hollywood Squares. I just want to see it till the end. So I stood there holding the phone, waiting for Joan Rivers to get over her wit and witticisms on Hollywood Squares. Now, this is something that we laugh about today, but... <laughs> Well, it's not like she was doing a 20-minute monologue. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you also said that calls from jail, given your sister's situation. In my defense, pass. calls not from jail unusual. were not uncommon in my household. <laughs> so now that we've cleared that up, yeah. today we're going to be talking about something that we watched together, socially distancing. We watched yes. together Coastal Elites. With and Bet should we Midler. mention our new sponsor, Mercado Restaurant? Oh, Mercado, Yes. <laughs> Best mole enchiladas on the West Coast. Oh, my God. Best they Mexican food in the world. Yeah. yeah. And binging. The binging experience. What is binging, anyway? Let's get down with it. Okay. And we're just going to sort of improvise from there, if we need to improvise. But Coastal Elites, we watched. I let's, found... Let's lay it out, in case people haven't heard of it. Oh, it okay. Is. Go ahead. Well, it's a film that was written by Paul Rudnick and produced by him. I forget the director's name. Jay Roach. Okay. And it was done in COVID style, insofar as it was a series of five monologues. So each actor did her or his monologue directly to a camera in isolation from the other actors. And by design, they were in different environments. And it was Bette Midler, mm -hmm. Daniel Levy, mm -hmm. Issa Rae, mm -hmm. Sarah Paulson, mm -hmm. and Caitlin Deaver. Very good. Thank you. I only um, knew two of them so far, but I love Issa Rae. I've been thinking about wasn't her. Wasn't she great? Her. Yeah. The only one I thought that didn't work for me totally was Bette's, actually. I felt it was over the top and a little too much and it kept yeah. throwing me out of the story i agree but she cannot do it any other way i guess that's you know. true i should know <laughs> i mean she's big okay because yeah. my thought was that she was directed to be big and that mm. she could have been pulled back yeah no that's a good point someone could have stepped in and said tone it down <laughs> i mean 
<laughs> she did have a director after all. That's true. You're right. <laughs> but all of the rest of them, I thought, were really moving. And mm -hmm. each monologue was unique. And I, it made me really appreciate Paul Rudnick's talent right, yet again. Voices, yeah. Definitely. So what did the LA Times have to say? Oh, I got mad at that LA Times review. Well, it was complimentary, but she went out of her way, the reviewer, a couple of times to say, it's not fair and balanced. And I thought, fuck you. Fair and balanced. How do you talk about fair and balanced when you're really? talking about a dictator sociopath. Yes. It's not like he's a Republican from the other side of the aisle and he's got a more conservative view about how America should no, be functioning. No, he's a dangerous he's a, exactly, wannabe. He's a psychopath. And yes. so where, where do you get off talking about fair and balanced? Not that, only that, but for her this to is say the fair experience, yeah. I'm sorry. For her to say fair and balanced in that context was a, was a normalization of Trump. Is this a reviewer that you've followed? No, I just happened to pick up the LA Times Review before I got on the oh. call with you just now, just to kind of see huh. what they had to say. Oh my God, it's on HBO and it's called Coastal Elites. I mean, yeah. really, right. what do they expect? So that's the provincial nature of the LA Times, so I'm glad I quit my subscription recently. I read, as you know, the New York Times. I have felt guilty about not reading the LA Times because I'm not really up to date on local mm -hmm. politics. I'm not, I mean, I, I am aware because of my political group group. They're very locally oriented, but I'm not as up to snuff as I feel like I should be. And yet it's because it's a provincial rag and yeah. I, I get disgusted with it. And that's why I don't read it. It had a good reputation at one time, right? Before Tribune bought it, I think. Oh, yes. It had a stellar reputation. I yeah. Mean, we, under, you know, under Buffy and friends. Yes. Even past them mm -hmm. up until I'd say about, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. There's some big conglomerate that bought them out at a certain point. It was a Tribune. Think, right. It was a Tribune. And they wrecked it because mm -hmm. what is a problem with a lot of papers being bought by large conglomerates is that the local reporting suffers. Mm -hmm. oh. In radio, so there used to be these thousands of little stations peppered all around the country. Yeah. And then I guess one by one, they just bought out by these central companies. So it may say this is WXYZ from Lincoln, Nebraska, but it's really coming out of Pittsburgh because that's where their headquarters is. Really? I'm just saying that's almost maybe a metaphor for a pattern. how newspaper reporting has gone, where it's become kind of centralized and homogenized. So that's the environment out of which Coastal Elites popped up. Yes. And now that we've gone on our tangent about media, I want to say that I think it's short-sighted to categorize it as not fair and balanced because these were very personal stories. Right. And each person was speaking from their own perspective. Yes. They weren't doing it as a political ad. So right. how fair and balanced were they supposed to be for Hitler? Were they supposed oh, to say, exactly. oh, well, you know, he's doing all this stuff, but let's present the other side. Please. No, you don't do that when a psychopath is running things. No. And that's, again, why we need coastal elites and things like it to remind us that we're not alone out there. Yeah, it was very comforting just to hear other people rant and rave. And tell their stories about what yeah. it's like to live in Trump world. Yeah. Yeah. Even Trump's America. So good. Glad we got that out of our system. Two thumbs up, though. It's fun to watch. It's on HBO Max. Should we talk about binging? Oh, yeah. I've been binging. Have you been binging? You have been. No, I wanted to binge The Vow, but I was mm -hmm. unable to because it's only out on a weekly basis. Oh, that's right. Which that's right. Like I'm not sure I if watching. I like that better or 
not. I'm just not sure. I don't know. It is kind of fun to be to get to anticipate what you're going to see the coming week, but it's also in COVID times you want a little more immediate gratification. Yes, exactly. Here's my understanding of what binging is. It is a little bit addictive. When you find yourself going down a bit of a rabbit hole watching one episode after another of a mm-hmm. program that you are very attached to and involved in. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that allows for binging is that little icon that says next. Oh, that's right. Or it doesn't even say next. Sometimes it just says coming up next. And it whether you like it or not. That's right. (laughs) Stay on (laughs) the couch, bitch. You're going to watch this. The first thing that I ever binged was Breaking Bad. And I binged it for many nights. I probably watched four or five episodes a night, which was not good because I was staying up until early in the morning. Right. I remember thinking, I'm a little hungover from this. I'm kind of having an unhealthy reaction to it. Mm -hmm. It got darker and darker. Mm -hmm. I felt worse and worse. And I think that at a certain point, I stopped binging it and went to just one or two episodes a night. Mm -hmm. I stopped doing a thorough binge on it. And I felt better because I didn't feel so in it. How did you do with Fleabag? Did you do a lot of successive episodes with that? They were shorter episodes though, weren't they? They they were half hours. And it was only six, I think. If you don't remember, then I bet you were binging and you were in a Fleabag blackout. (laughs) (laughs) But what a blackout to be in. The show has a lot to do with it too, because if they if they work in a good cliffhanger, it's very hard to resist that. Very true. And Breaking Bad's the one I'm doing now. And it's really hard not to stay up late and watch the next one because the, yeah. the cliffhangers, they come so suddenly and you just have to know what's going on. You know what's interesting? I watched Breaking Bad before. I'm watching it now. I'm seeing so much stuff that I don't remember. And I'm remembering that when I last watched Breaking Bad, I was in a bad relationship. And I think that my receptivity was narrower. I couldn't take in that much information. My mind was so occupied with so much junk that I could watch TV, but I really couldn't take too much in. Your amygdala was overloaded. Yes. Oh. The one show I remember having to control myself to not binge it too much was Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. And that was the second series that was on Netflix. The first one was House of Cards, which I really didn't spark Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. But Orange is the New Black, there were 13 episodes and I would only allow myself to watch two a night. And I had to space it out because I savored it so much that I didn't want it to end. And if I binged it all at once, it would end within a day or two. You know, binging has a tinge of judgment in it. When we say the term, you mean? The term does. And I'm wondering, you know, things have so changed with COVID and isolation. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. issues that might have seemed unnatural before are not so unnatural now. So binging before had that, oh, you're a little out of control or, oh, that's a little unhealthy. You should have better things to do with your time. Yes. Or you should have self-control. But I mean, people would say they binged, but nobody seemed ashamed of it. Everybody just kind of used the term like, I'm watching multiple episodes in one sitting. Well, with the Tiger King and that oh, binge, right. things just seemed to really shake loose in our isolation. Yeah. yeah. So that I was binging Indian Matchmaker. Did I binge Love is Blind? I'm not sure I could binge Love is Blind. If I could, then I probably did. 
I'm remembering when the COVID thing started and right away people were saying, oh, this is a good time to learn a new language. Oh, this is a good time to get all my scrapbooking done. Oh, this is a good time to lay out my business plan for my next big project. And it didn't take long before everybody was just worn out with that crap. And it was like, fuck it. You you're know? the only one who's I'm doing it. Out. Well, I have started doing- you're doing I, yoga I'm and doing you're doing yoga and piano. piano. That's true. And you're French. And I just signed up for a French class. I know. Well, but this is my point. I think maybe there's different personality types that respond to this quarantine environment differently. Because, for instance, some people they say they're on the they're on the COVID diet, which means you just eat anything and everything, oh. in whatever quantities you want. And your meal plan is like there's your first breakfast, then there's breakfast <laughs> dessert. And then there's early lunch, and then there's real lunch, and then there's lunch dessert, and you know, there's like this whole thing. But for me, it, 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 I don't think of myself as psychologically so sound, but in terms of how I've responded to this solitary confinement, my eating habits have improved yeah. since we've been in this situation. Well, you were doing well before, though. You had really made a huge change in your I lifestyle. I paleo, paleo, yeah. But, but you're not so much that now, is uh, I'm not strictly paleo, but I'm, what I'm strictly is um, cook my own food. And yeah. when you cook your own food, by necessity almost, well, I guess it wouldn't have to be. I could be buying onion. I could make onion rings if I wanted to, but right. I tend to make things that are pretty simple. And I try to make sure there's green stuff on my plate. Hey, I discovered Beyond Burgers this week. Yesterday, in fact. Aren't those great? Holy smokes. They were amazing. I couldn't believe, and you know, I, I took a whiff before I threw them in the pan, and they, really, it smelled a little like dog food, and I thought, oh, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> but damn, if I didn't cook it up four minutes on either side, and it was delicious. Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Impossible is even better. Mm. It's even better because it feels like meat. It right. has, I guess it's done with beet juice, but it looks right. bloody like burger does, mm. and it tastes more like hamburger even than the Beyond Burgers. My doctor called me this week and she said one I, i'm like late to this party about that eating less red meat is actually good for the planet but one reason it's good for the planet that i didn't realize is that it takes a lot of water to raise yeah steer. yeah and with a tiny fraction of the same amount of water, you can grow the amount of peas that you need to create the protein for the Beyond Burger. Yeah. And so you're really helping the planet when you eat this way. I remember when I was in high school, I became a vegetarian because I had a teacher that said, imagine that this is the amount of land that it takes to raise a cow. Right. And this is the amount of land it takes to raise soybeans. Right. And I was just like, well, game over for for me. <laughs> you are an easy sell. <laughs> I am an easy sell. I am a totally I would have gone right sell. to Bob's big boy in order to double cheeseburger. <laughs> so the COVID diet has really worked for you. Your version of the COVID my diet. My COVID diet is much healthier than my pre-COVID diet. Yeah. yeah. This leads me to a subject that I hadn't thought of talking about, but I was listening to this Slate Money podcast and someone did a whole rant about what he called blands that mm. are brands that are advertised on podcasts specifically, like Harry's Razors, Casper Mattress. The idea is that all of these startups, all of these what are called blands because they spark other companies that are copycats of them. Casper Mattress. 
Casper Mattress has now. There's Purple Mattress, right. and there are all kind. I mean, I can't even name all the different mm-hmm. versions of Casper Mattress, and they all have a 90-day money-back guarantee. They'll come and pick it up if you don't like it, and it comes in a small box, and it expands, and the same idea. So what the life cycle of these blends is, mm. they advertise on podcasts, and they advertise <laughs> on uh, platforms that are just for what would have been called yuppies before young uh, liberal mm-hmm. did you freeze did i freeze i don't know i i okay. saw you freeze for a second oh my internet is unstable how ironic <laughs> <laughs> don't how fitting boy, boy can i relate <laughs> <laughs> And so they go through this cycle. They get all of this startup money. They get buzz. And in reality, what I heard was that Casper loses $160 on each mattress that they sell because mm. it is so much money that's spent targeting these potential buyers. Uh, and each buyer is so precious. Right. So they actually make no money. And this guy said that by the time you see an advertisement for like Brooklinen on the New York subway, you know that they're spiraling out. That's the end of the life cycle. So we've spawned these Tony, what's considered very earthy brands, but in reality, Casper mattresses are made by sweat labor in China. And there's actually no there there when it comes to what's a more honorable company or what has better values. There was that company called Tom Shoes, and they said that they gave a pair of shoes for every pair that was bought, and that turned out not to be true. So I don't actually believe any of this sort of tugging at the heartstrings, bleeding heart liberal advertising. One big selling point is the environmental impact is supposed to be lessened. And God knows all birds shoes of which I own a pair because Zoe gave me a pair and they are great shoes. But now they're talking about having a zero impact carbon offset for every pair of shoes, which may be the case. But at the same time, you could just say that in your advertisement and how long would it take for someone to actually determine whether your carbon offsets were neutral. Well, there was a toothbrush, electric toothbrush. Quip? There was the Quip. Oh, I, I have one I have of those. Because I do listen to some other radio people. I listen to Tom Hartman. It's not just Stephanie Miller. They're really blanketing the whole internet oh. radio population. I used to listen to him all the time. I should get his podcast. He and Al Franken were my two favorite men who were podcasting, and now Al is no longer with us. Actually, Al Franken has a podcast now. Oh, that's good. Al. I've heard that Franken might run again. That would be great. Yeah, I think he would win. I think he would be able to clarify his situation and issues I, that surrounded him. I saw an article that said that there are five different Minnesotas. It's, there's the urban center of Minnesota yeah. that's very liberal, but yeah. there's the north and west part of the state is very right wing. And it's it almost reminds me of California, although we have a preponderance of Democrats in California, but there are geographic sections of California that are very different, that are very right wing. We've benefited from the change in ethnic balance that's happened over the the last four decades or so. You know what's worrisome to me is that Biden is behind in the Latin vote, and he really needs that, especially in Florida. So that's a little worrisome. Yeah, they were saying what a disconnect, you know, that there's the Cuban Americans, which tend to be very, very right wing. But the disconnect is that here you have a president who, from all everything we can tell, is being completely controlled by Russia. And the Cubans normally would find that pretty horrifying. Yes, but in this, they're they're not putting the pieces together here. 
Not only that, but think about someone who is Latinx voting for Trump. Right. The beginning of his first campaign, the rapists and the gangs and just the way he's characterized. I don't understand that mindset where you would say, oh, I'd rather vote for, I just don't understand that at all. It makes no sense to me. Well, I don't want to cast aspersions. So I'll just limit it to the gay community where I have some experience. You can be a self-hating gay and you can support Trump and you can be part of the, what's it called? The um, Lincoln log cabin, the log log cabin cabin Republicans. You can have internalized homophobia that expresses itself as supporting the political party or candidate who is advocating your extinction. So Maybe it happens on the ethnic level, too, for some. Maybe. It's got to be something because it makes no logical or emotional sense to tie your political affiliations to someone who is rabidly against the group with which you identify. I could see if I were a member of one of those communities feeling like maybe the Democratic candidate or party was taking me for granted, like they just figured I they can count on me because yes. of my yes. color or my background. And yes, I could see some resentment their, going around that. But, but then go, they're voting against their own best. To go all the way over there and yeah, that's extreme. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to say goodbye because I'm all talked out. Me too. Bye, boomers. Thanks for checking in. Bye, boomers. Stay safe. Bye. Stay cool.